Hi there, and welcome to Here's a Thought, the blogcast for people who overthink. I'm your host, Jan M. Flynn, and each week I offer you a break from the busy voices in your head by listening to the ones in mine. And I apologize if I sound a little stuffy this week. I'm recovering from a cold. I'm going to share a story with you, a dog story. I love dogs, and I've had real-life dog stories of my own published in Chicken Soup for the Soul. But the story I'm about to share is not the one I wanted to tell. But it is a true one, and it's one I'll be thinking about, or overthinking, for some time. Last week was a rough one in our house. On Thursday, we were full of excitement and hope and nerves. We were taking on a new dog. It meant changing our household dynamics. Since we've had to say goodbye to our beloved dog Molly last September, it's just been my husband and me, along with our cat. Molly came to us when she was five years old, and her breeder liberated her from a situation of neglect and abuse. He couldn't keep her, but she needed a home, and he thought she might be a good fit for us. We thought we'd wanted one of his puppies, but we agreed to meet her. And we drove home from the meeting with Molly, rechristened from her previous name, in the backseat of our car, her tail wagging as though in gratitude as she rested her head against my husband's shoulder while he drove. Back then we had a different cat, a 17-pound tabby named Monster. When we got home, we led Molly up to our back door, which is glass, and there, on the other side of it, was Monster, glaring at her. Molly took one look at the cat, ducked her head, and waited with deference, until he'd finished glaring at her and stalked away, before she went through the door. She never even tried to jump on the furniture. We only had to show her the spot once, in our bedroom where we'd put her bed, and from then on, all we had to say was, bedtime, and she'd curl up on her bed and stay quiet until morning. If she needed to go out, she merely parked herself in front of the door and gave us a pleading look. She was great with other dogs. She loved kids, and it wasn't long at all before we could let her off-leash at the dog park or on hikes. Monster eventually warmed up to her and would often share his favorite sunny spots with her. She lived to be just a few weeks shy of her 15th birthday. By that time, we had a different cat, a confident black shorthair named Bandit. He and she became immediate friends. So it was hard on all of us when we lost her. Our quiet house was suddenly much too quiet. The rhythm of our twice-daily molly walks gave way to half-hearted strolls past our nearby open space where we'd gaze wistfully at the chuck-it-chasing tail-waggers with whom Molly had once romped. In our neighborhood, not having a dog is kind of a social deficit. Bandit, our cat, seemed a little nonplussed. It was obvious that he too thought something important was missing. And it was a long, bleak winter without a dog. Even when I looked outside on freezing mornings to see bundled-up neighbors slogging through the slush to take their puppies out for their morning constitutionals. Molly, we knew, had spoiled us. Maybe she wasn't a perfect dog, but she'd been perfect for us. She had left big paw prints to fill and it didn't seem fair to expect another dog to try to step into them. But by the end of January, I'd had enough of our dogless existence. I started scanning dog rescue and shelter websites, kind of obsessively, to tell the truth. 
Eventually, my husband caught my fever. We knew we didn't want to take on raising a puppy, but what about an adult dog? Surely there was one out there who needed us, one we could fold into our home. The day my husband suggested we go buy a new dog bed, I knew he was as beguiled by the idea of bringing home a new canine pal as I was. We searched for some time. The local shelters always seemed to have plenty of pit bull mixes, husky mixes, chihuahua mixes, and Great Pyrenees mixes, none of which were a good fit for us. There were a few dogs that appealed to one of us, but not to both of us. And then we met Mitzi. That wasn't her shelter name, but we kept it close and sound to avoid confusing her. She was a German shorthair pointer, mostly, petite at 40 pounds, and a little over two years old. She'd been brought in from another shelter farther east in the state, where they'd run out of room for her and her eight puppies. The puppies were all weaned, most had already been adopted, and Mitzi had just healed up from being spayed. Except for her drastically distended teats, she was beautiful, with handsome black and white markings and soft brown eyes. She was shy and skittish, unsurprising considering what she'd been through. There wasn't much in the way of history or background about her, but the staff thought she was okay around other dogs, and probably housebroken, and might get along with cats too, given her retiring nature. We visited with her several times. We knew she had a lot to learn, and that her adjustment would take time and plenty of patience. It wasn't going to be plug-and-play like it had been with Molly. But there was something about those brown eyes that drew us in. On Tuesday... We went home and talked about it. Big decision. We returned to the shelter on Wednesday, new doggy stuff at the ready, intending to take her home with us. The front desk staff apologized. Their processing software had just gone down, meaning they couldn't complete adoptions. There was no telling when the program would be back online. Was the universe trying to tell us something? If so, we missed it. After all, We'd adopted Bandit from the same shelter, and it worked out so well. We called the shelter repeatedly to find out if the system was up and running again. We got apologetic no's and promises to call us back, either when things were working or before the shelter closed for the day. We didn't get a call. On Thursday, we phoned several times, but nobody picked up. Not to be dissuaded, we showed up in person, and lo and behold, the system had just come back online. In hindsight, that was probably the universe allowing us to learn the hard way. We were as reassuring to our new Mitzi as we could be, and made the introduction to our home as gradual as possible. Mitzi seemed to decide I was the safe person, and stuck to me like a burr at first. Again, that was understandable, and it was okay, until Bandit the Cat cheerfully approached her, offering to touch noses. Mitzi three times bandit size, behaved as though a T-Rex was after her. They'd work it out in time, we figured, as long as we gave Mitzi plenty of space. Bandit, however, with the time-honored perversity of cats, was determined to be everywhere the dog was. At one point, our vigilance lapsed, and we heard the dog screaming in terror. We ran upstairs and found her cowering against a cupboard because the cat was crouched between her and the door, staring at her. This was going to take a lot of effort and a lot of positive reinforcement. But we were willing. No matter how scared Mitzi got, she was never aggressive with us. She would allow us to take a toy out of her mouth without protest, 
and when she calmed down a little bit, she responded readily to treats and to praise rewards. But nobody had taught her anything. She was just as much a blank slate as any puppy, but obviously with a lot of adverse experiences in her history. She wasn't housebroken after all, and she didn't know any commands. She learned to relax in our fenced yard and would happily run and chase a toy, but we had to watch her carefully or she'd start digging under the fence gates. But she could learn. We taught her sit. She made progress with leash training. Until a tall, stooped man in a black beanie came walking down the other side of the street. At that point, she stopped short, refused to move, and shook like a leaf. It reinforced our suspicions that she'd run away from some abusive backyard breeder who'd probably kept her cranking out puppies with every heat. That much trauma would be a lot to undo. It wasn't Mitzi's fault, but it was going to take a long time until we could leave her unsupervised, and we didn't know if she'd ever be confident enough to be around other dogs. Still, we'd chosen her, and we were willing to work with her. On day four, we reached a tipping point. She had settled down a little. She was beginning to identify the house and the yard as hers. Now she would bark at dogs walking by instead of anxiously staring at them. Not great, but progress. But we finally noticed what was behind the dynamics with the cat. Mitzi was still afraid of Bandit, but less so, and only when he was facing her. That would have been progress if it hadn't been for the way she fixated on him. We couldn't get her attention away from him. She began barking and growling at him in excitement. And then, when he jumped up onto a table in my office, she lunged at him. Luckily, she missed. This had to happen a second time before a light finally came on in my head. This wasn't just Mitzi being playful. This was Mitzi playing with prey. Of all the behaviors and patterns we'd have to work through with this dog, that one was a deal-breaker. Just like it wasn't her fault that she hadn't been trained, it wasn't her fault that she had a powerful, wired-in prey drive. But the best-case scenario was that we'd never be able to leave our two animals alone in the house together, and we'd have a cat who was now terrified of dogs. The worst-case scenario was that our attention would waver at some point, and we'd end up with a mauled cat, or a dead one. That was a risk we couldn't take. On Sunday, we returned Mitzi to the shelter. Once we'd made the decision, we knew it would be wrong to wait any longer than we had to, Spending more time with her would only allow her to form a stronger bond with us and our house, and that wasn't fair. The whole way back to the shelter, our guts churned as if we'd swallowed steel wool. I felt like an abject failure. I wanted to tell the story about a dog who came to us needy and scared, and how we rehabilitated her with love and patience. A story about how we transformed her into a confident, happy, trustworthy companion the way I've seen other dogs be transformed. In telling this story instead, I know I'm opening myself up to judgment, and I get it. People are rightly emotional and protection-minded when it comes to animals who, after all, can't advocate for themselves. But if so, I doubt anyone can make me feel any worse than I already do about our sad adventure with poor Mitzi. But for us, it was the right decision. At least now she has the experience of people being good to her in a house, 
At least now the shelter folks know more about her and that she's not compatible with cats or small animals. We hope that additional information gives her the best chance she can have of finding the right forever home. But that home is not with us. We're so sorry, Mitzi. And the next time the universe tries to tell us something, we'll listen. Especially when it's about something as important and deserving as a dog. Thanks for joining me for this episode of Here's a Thought with Jan M. Flynn. I hope you'll click the plus sign on your podcast platform to follow the show and check the show notes to find out how to share your comments or ideas for upcoming episodes. Until next time, may the universe send you signals that are helpful, loud, and clear. May all the living beings in your house contribute to your happy home, and may all your thoughts be good ones.